We are the Adventuring Guild, and this is the Home Brew Review. joining us for the first episode of Homebrew Review. We are a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast focusing on reviewing all the best community-created content that can be found on the interwebs. We have surfed through the DMS Guild as well as Reddit in order to pick out material that we feel is worth reviewing on a actual play podcast. In a couple of places, the audio quality in this first episode isn't as good as it could be. We do ask your forgiveness and hope that you will overlook it this first time as we are still learning how to do all of this. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the show. This week on the Homebrew Review, we will be reviewing four very distinct class, race, and unearthed arcana combinations. We have four players here that are very experienced in the RPG field, and we hope that you enjoy this listen. I'll be your DM for the night. I'm DM Bob. And tonight we will be playing Princes of the Apocalypse. We've chosen four different pathways uh, through that. We are recording at levels 4, 8, 12, and 16 in an attempt to kind of show the broad range and the full spectrum of what the classes can do. Rather than stick to one direct path, typically going down one elemental line, we decided to switch it up so that one class or race would not have an advantage over the other due to resistances or uh, bonuses to damage types. So that's where we're beginning. All right, my name is Micah. I will be playing a Dragonborn Cleric of the Forge Domain, as provided by Wizards of the Coast in their Unearthed Arcana series. Things that really stand out to me as benefits of the Cleric of the Forge are the versatility that you get in as far as utility is concerned. Very early on in the game, you have a lot of options for being the guy who gives your, your party the, the boost that you need to really... Overcome that first hump as you get into more mid and late game stuff and still maintaining the ability to provide that that healing support that you need as a party. Really looking forward to playing this character option with Bob and the group and uh, let's roll some dice. I'm, I am Kelly and I am playing a witch named Reyna from Zareth on Reddit and on Arthakana. The class is really different than anything in the core book. Uh, the different covenants that you can take as a witch are really new, and the bonuses that you get from them aren't anything that you can see in any other sort of class. Uh, early game, I'm not so sure about it, because she doesn't get super powerful right away, but I'm excited to play her and see what happens. Hey guys, my name is Luke, and I'm going to be playing the homebrew race, Treant. My character's name is McCor Brackenwood, Treant Barbarian. My first thoughts on this is, if you need a character that has a natural affinity, but you want something a little bit less life, and you want something more physically powerful, the Treant's going to be a fun take for it. Things that I'm looking forward to are the plant metabolism, the powerful build, and the wooden body. It offers some pretty powerful starting abilities, but one that I'm interested in seeing how it scales, especially with Barbarian, is the wooden body, where you have vulnerability to fire damage, but while not wearing any armor, you can add half of your constitution rounded up to your AC. So for Monk, 
as well as Barbarian, who already don't wear armor, you're going to get a bonus that'll scale with your con, putting you up there with, like, wearing plate. It should be pretty fun for a tank character, and I hope I can bring the might of the forest to my enemies. I am Varian Oakbottom. I am a hapling bard. Entertainer by profession. I come from the long, prestigious bardic line of Oakbottoms, as is the tradition of our family. Every Oakbottom must travel forth and prove themselves as a bard extraordinaire. Therefore, I am setting out to prove myself better than my family and to eventually compose the greatest song that I can possibly do. All right, now that everybody has introduced themselves, let's get some music started. Uh, the music that we're using is courtesy of TabletopAudio.com. Uh, we're using Disembodied Spirits for this one. And the intro and outro were written by our very own Varian Oakbottom, a.k.a. Virgil Nelson. Where we are going to pick up, you guys have slowly been realizing that this cult of elemental evil, all the different elemental cults, are starting to cause problems. And you've been recruited by this NPC and that NPC to um, basically take care of the problem with some pay and most likely going to die. But, you know, at least you get a few gold out of it. The first place that you are going to be uh, investigating, having already braved several dungeons, is River Guard Keep. It's a small but strongly built castle on the banks of the Deseran River. Uh, River Guard Keep is also one of the haunted keeps of the Slumber Hills. Okay, so you're going to have plenty of spirits to... Woo! <laughs> yes. You guys would know already that the cult has taken up kind of residence there, and they're slowly rebuilding the keep with willing and very unwilling help. So you may be able to enlist some allies up there, you believe. And there are multiple ways to get into this keep. You know that you can either go through the river and go in through the water gate, or you can go through the main gate, through the gatehouse which would be located right in between the two guard towers. Uh, so I will let you guys decide how you want to approach this fortress, either by boat or uh, over land. And uh, some information uh, that you need as you arrive is a small castle overlooks the mighty Deseran River, which is a good half mile wide at this point. A gatehouse and keep stand atop a low bluff, but the walls are built to the water's edge. On the riverbank, another low tower guards a boat basin where keelboats are moored. This keep seems old and warm, but new timbers and shingles suggest that repairs are underway. A white banner with a blue gauntlet flies over the keep, and the front gate is closed. Is it supposedly haunted, or...? You would know just from stories growing up, kids' tales to scare kids. You're not quite sure how much there is to the stories as far as truth, but you would know that it is at least somewhat haunted. This is not a happy place. I know this is a little bit unconventional, but uh, one of you roll me a d20 for just a straight luck check and let me know if it's 15 or higher. It is not. You would have met, but not defeated, Sholar in the Wormford Rat section, which would have been earlier, so you would have completed it, but not necessarily killed Sholar. You would know of him. He is a halfling servant. Oh, no, wait. Uh, excuse me. He is a water genasi captain. Darn it. That's very, <laughs> very different. Yes, he is a water genasi captain. Short, that's all. <laughs> he does have a halfling servant named Pike. But Sholar would be within this fortress as well. So for the binding rites, like I said, I get to take a... Uh, find a spirit to myself in place of a spell slot. 
Right now, I have the Spirit of Agony bound in my second level spell slot. Uh, in the presence of a spirit of agony, foes' wounds continue to bleed and fires continue to burn. While agony is bound, you may reroll any damage die that shows a 1, keeping the new result. And I can release spirits that have a... like a release active effect. And when I release agony as a reaction, I can roll a critical hit. In addition to the critical damage, you can roll an extra number of dice equal to the level of the spirit, which is level 2, because that's the spell slot that I bound into. Goodness gracious. Okay. Yeah, I um, picked the circle of ruin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we're, we already know who's going to be taking out the final boss when that happens. Okay, so how would you guys like to approach this keep? As I said, there's two approaches, um, either over land uh, or over the water. You do also know uh, this little tidbit that they are always recruiting members. Uh, and so you probably would have been approached at some point if you didn't automatically try to slay whoever stepped in front of you that they would probably be looking for recruits as well. We could always try and do that. I'm not good at bluffing, so somebody else would have to, you know... We're at the gates. Maybe lie. Damned. Just kind of give it a once-over around all of the, uh, the the perimeter to see what area looks like it's potentially the, the, the weakest link in the, in the armor, if you will. Yeah, go ahead and roll me a perception check. Seven. Okay, you would notice that the walls are very high. Um, also, you would notice that there are slits in all of the walls about nine feet up. Murder holes. <laughs> Murder holes. Yeah, you, you would be able to see the occasional flitting shadow going by. But other than that, it is very well... Um, How far away are we? Wherever you guys want to be. Um, as long as you guys are outside of 60 foot, um, nobody's going to come up and really approach you yet. Can I step up to 60 feet? Oh god, that's what are you planning? <laughs> okay, um, I'm just gonna use my quickening, which is just uh, being able to see into the ethereal plane. Okay, you would probably get a very good sense of not so much anything tangible, but you would definitely get the sense that this is not a happy place and that there are not great magics going on. Lots of suffering here, lots of sadness, lots of resentment would be another big emotion that you would get the sense out of this. But you wouldn't see anything in particular here. If you'd like to roll me a perception check, uh, you may be able to see something that... Five. A five. <laughs> you notice that these walls are very tall in both planes. Oh. <laughs> uh, and that the arrow slits are also present in both planes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going in. Oh, okay. Old. This is my opinion. That spending a little sweat now in preparation will save us a lot of sweat later in pain and suffering. That's what I'm here for. McCor, might I borrow your axe for a moment? Of course, I'll dislodge a hand axe from my pokey <laughs> and nobody else. I hope that's how you sheathe them when you're doing Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's a 20, you got nothing to worry about. Clock! Oh my gosh, that is great. <laughs> that is great. Almighty God, Master of the Forge, I ask that you would bless, or would, would shine your light of blessing upon this axe in hopes that it would cleave your enemies in twain. Oh, wait, let me give you my cleaving axe instead. Well, here's the great axe. You're gonna bless something. Let's do my main weapon. And so, a magical light shines down upon said axe. It is now a plus one axe until our next long rest. I, I like to think that you could almost hear the forge, the bellows pumping, the hammering on the steel as the blade glows orange slightly and then just sheens. Yeah, I like that. All right.
fine. I'm okay with that. I don't feel axes are evil. It's just, if you're gonna use them on, like, little trees that haven't had, have a full life, that's a little bit evil. But I'll definitely use these axes. <laughs> Alright. Any other preparation before you guys approach within eye, ear, nose shot of them? I will use prestidigitation to make us all look very clean and proper. If, because I'm guessing, well, how are we gonna do this? We're gonna try and like talk our way in, or I'm just walking up. Are we gonna kick the doors down and? If it comes to that. Oh. Well, I want to look as sharp as I can if we're gonna give a performance. It's performance, you know. You gotta look your best for this kind of stuff. For the sake of uh, giving you guys just a little bit more information. You would notice that the keep's main entrance features a two-story gatehouse attached to a round tower. Arrow slits look out onto the ground outside the gate, and the gate itself is a double door of thick timbers reinforced with iron bands. Yeah, I can break that. I don't think we can kick that one down. <laughs> Somebody's got shattered. Bandage not. <laughs> it's gonna open one way or another. <laughs> well, I can, I can, I can fix it once we do. No, that's a brilliant thing. After you take a keep, you gotta reinforce it. Yeah. Exactly. Take a dungeon, it's yours, technically. Exactly. Uh-huh. Alright, so how would you guys like to approach? Are you going to just walk on up nonchalantly? Or are you going to be aggressive, like, ah? I'm just gonna walk up. Okay. I, I, I assume we're gonna be going up non-violently. There's things in there that belong to me, so I'm just gonna go up there and take them. Oh. Being the spirits. Okay, yeah, Definitely. Uh, the try and talk our way in first and kind of get my coat all ready. <laughs> my halfling little shuffle with you guys. I forgot you were a halfling. <laughs> so, like, the <laughs> shuffle up with you guys. I'm okay with having the halfling lead tree in the oh back. It's God. just this nice, uh, stacking. Exactly, yeah. Okay Provides a nice background for you, too. You know, yes. just a nice tree, a nice presentable halfling. It paints a very pretty picture. That is I'll hilarious. I'll just remain motionless, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so you guys approach the front gate, and as you do, clattering sounds and muffled voices come from inside the gatehouse. Then a human warrior appears at the second-story arrow slit directly over the gate. You can't see much of him, but he wears a leather jerkin and has a black beard. Who are you? What do you want? Uh, good day. Uh, my name is Varian Oakbottom, and, uh... I am here, uh, I hear you are recruiting, uh, myself and our merry band of travelers are here to- Alright, you talk too much! Somebody's got less to say, what do you want? We came to join the cult. Oh, why didn't you say so? Well, all I right, was getting well, to that, but- <laughs> I don't quite know what to do with you all, cause you're a tree, and you're kinda short, but I guess we got a spot for you somewhere. Something. What I lack in height, I make up for in person. Yeah, you talk way too much. Or a foot. <laughs> Alright, you're coming in. That's fine. But you ain't going alone because you're a weird bunch. So he starts yelling and everything to lift the gates and, or oh, to open it. the gates. <laughs> and the gate slowly begins to creep open. Four bandits come to meet you at the gate and they escort you inside. Oh, anything you guys would like to do, say anything like that? Yeah. Well, hello, gents. Uh, How do we attack? How are you all this fine morning, afternoon, evening? What time of day is it? What time of day did you guys arrive? I don't know. I will look directly into the sun. If the sun is not there, (laughs) I will know it's night. (laughs) 
<laughs> looking directly into the sun, you can see that it starts to burn your eyes. Um, oh no, so we'll my call it, vision. Yeah. But you also feel strangely powerful because it's fixing Ooh. you. That's true. Yes, yeah, so you, it would probably be midday. We'll call it sometime in the early afternoon. I'm going to shift into the ethereal plane. Just kind of walk around in that. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, right inside the gate, uh, first you guys would notice, the gate's open to a 30-foot passage leading east. A portcullis blocks the far end of the passage, but you can see the castle yard on the other side. An arrow slit in the southern wall of the passage provides defenders a way to fire onto intruders who get this far. Okay, so we're still not in the best place to, if we're going to start stuff, this is not the place to do it. It'll be right in this passage. So, okay. it's not a very long passage, and like I said, you see a portcullis right on the other side that has been lit. I'd say let's get in the gate and also first. We can go we... further before we start stuff. Yeah, you said you looked into the ethereal plane, so would you yeah. be making the perception check then? No, I just look there. Okay. Like, I don't have to she, she make a check it. or anything, it's just... Okay, what all would you be able to see in the ethereal plane? Okay, um, at first level, I gain the ability to enter a trance known as the Witch's Quickening, letting you see beyond the borders of the material world. Entering the trance is an action and allows you to see into the ethereal plane up to 60 feet. You also gain insight into the emotional energy surrounding you, letting you know if and what the spirits are bound within 60 feet, as well as granting you advantage to wisdom insight checks. Okay. You would be able to feel a staggering amount of pain uh, where you currently are, and you would be able to see what appears to be remnants of blood stains all over the floor and they are hideous massive piles of of ethereal bodies are piled around you all crushed to death nice work <laughs> okay that it yep all right so that is what you have seen would you relay any of that to your fellows no i'm cool <laughs> okay i'm good with it it's just a normal day in the park right? <laughs> yeah well the the circle of ruin the 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 uh Covenant of Ruin isn't super concerned with what happens to the spirits. It's more for my use and... Gotcha. Yeah, the bodies that were piled here were crushed to death mercilessly. Yeah, and there is blood everywhere. Not not real blood. Uh, that has been scrubbed away and this is a fairly tidy looking room. Not spotless, but definitely looks like that it has been more frequently cleaned than about anything else you've seen thus far. Um, but yeah, in the ethereal plane, there, you were walking through like three, four feet of piled bodies everywhere. They were preparing for my arrival. Obviously. <laughs> I don't know why else it would. Uh, you guys would be continuing on through then, as opposed to, since you're not breaking your way in. The area just inside the castle gatehouse consists of a small courtyard of bare dirt and tufts of fiery grass. A stable stands to the east, the gatehouse to the west, and the main yard of the castle lies to the north. The keep occupies the northern corner of the castle yard. Stone stairs near the keep lead up to the top of the wall. Guys, uh, looking around, or are you just gonna kind of follow your escorts and make nice? I feel it would be best for the time being to follow our escorts and make nice until we're in prime position. Yeah, I'm strike. just talking this dude to death. I guess with you talking to death, I'll look around, I guess. Almost as like a distract, you know, just talking, almost causing a distraction, or at least trying to keep this guy from, you know, just keeping his attention on me and whatever. I guess since I'm in the back of the pecking order, I'll just kind of meander, trying to follow, but... Do I find anything interesting in this keep? 
Yeah, go ahead and uh, anybody that would like to uh, roll me perception checks. Oh, oh. Uh, that'll be a natural 20 for a 23. Oh, there you go. Okay, so um, you guys would have been brought through uh, the courtyard uh, with that nat 20 for the uh, perception check. You would be able to tell a lot more minor details that otherwise would have been missed, uh, such as the uh, bandits that are kind of hanging around here, a lot of them aren't really paying attention to anybody going in and out. Uh, so they're fairly used to people coming into the walls and running around that don't look like they fit in. While you're walking behind the soldiers, the bandits and whatnot, the citizenry are kind of looking at you curiously. Uh, and you can tell they're just normal citizens. Most of them look abused and beaten and whatnot. They're definitely the unwilling help for repairing this keep. You can kind of see that they're looking at you, but since you're with the guards, they're not really going to approach you because they don't know a whole lot about you. Other than that, you would be able to see that the building right in front of the exit of the gatehouse is a ruined stables with the uh, roof pretty much completely collapsed in. It's full of rotting debris. Looks terrible. There does appear to be, as a door swings open, you're able to get a quick glimpse of an armory right above the stables. And then you would be taken around over towards the... Great Hall, and the Great Hall's entrance would be back behind the rest of the rooms, so you would go past a chapel of some variety, so a holy building of some variety, and then the doors right across from that are those of the Great Hall, which you are brought into. So that is what you noticed as you were walking. Uh, anybody else doing anything in particular, or are you guys just following along? Just noise. Like telling this guard who's escorting us my life story. <laughs> so that is when I decided to go travel about. You see, uh, it is our lineage, it's our right and tradition to go out and become the best bards possible. And, you know, it was just, it's been a great time since I met these people. And you, know, you overhear just... a whisper from one of the guards that's saying, Oh my god, can we just stay already? <laughs> a whisper we tried that once and didn't take. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. The problem of playing a support character, they can stay up for hours. <laughs> Ew. Okay. <laughs> you, they throw open the doors, uh, eager to get rid of you. You in particular, Mr. Bard. Um, this room is a great hall of the keep. It, has, it is two stories high with stone stairs on both sides of the room leading up to the stone balcony at the end of the chamber. What heavy double doors lead east to the castle yard, while two interior doors open to the west. Arrow slits lick out over the north and the south. At the west end of the room, below the balcony, a large wooden chair sits behind a wide table littered with papers and discarded plates. A second table, this one long and furnished with benches, runs down the middle of the hall. The walls are painted in green and blue, decorated with tattered banners showing nautical designs. You would see sitting at the big chair at the end of the table, uh, at the end, a hulk of a man. You're pretty sure he's human. He doesn't look like an orc, even though he's got what appear to be two tusks almost jutting out from his mouth. Very orc-like, but definitely not an orc, and he is extremely hairy. And he seems to be paying attention only 
only loosely to what some people are telling him. They appear to be cultists or uh, some variety of administrative type duties. They're handing him papers and he's looking over them and yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. Just non-committal grunts rather than actually paying attention to anybody. Uh, when he sees you guys come into the room, he would kind of look you over as if he was assessing how he would end all of your lives if you did something that he didn't enjoy. But he doesn't say anything outright. He doesn't even stand up or uh, do anything to acknowledge your presence other than give you the once over. Other than that, this hall is full of people. It appears that the leader is tended by a Fathmer and two cultists. You are unsure of uh, what their jobs are, other than you do recognize the symbol for the Crushing Wave cult. So you're pretty sure that they are water-affiliated, obviously, but other than that, um, you're not too sure make, about... Can I make a history check to what I know about the Crushing Water cult? Yes! Woohoo! That's a nine! <laughs> For a second, I thought you did well. Cult of the Crushing Wave worships Ol' Hydra the princess of evil water that is native to the elemental plane of water. Other than that, you don't know a whole lot about them other than that they're always causing problems with anything related to coasts and whatnot. They're always attacking ships, uh, port cities, anything along those lines. They are not exactly the most brilliant of strategists. Okay. Um... Should I walk up and introduce myself and my axes? Otherwise, we can see what information we can get out of them first, and then we can always go gung-ho on their bases with weapons. Well, if you want to step up, I'll be right beside you. The other thing you would notice about the two uh, members of the Crushing Wave is that uh, they aren't your typical cultists in black robes and whatnot. They have shields that appear to be made of copper, um, as well as strange blades with shark teeth embedded in them. It's very monstrous looking, not like a typical weapon would have been forged, which is fairly intriguing to you, Mr. Forge Cleric, because that isn't a weapon that you have really seen, one that has teeth within it. It is very interesting looking. Can you see into the ethereal plane anytime or only when you use the quick hand? I can do it for four minutes, like straight, but I don't think that I like, just hold it. Okay, so you would have probably dropped it after you saw all those bodies around you? Okay, you would know probably something feels off about the Fathmir standing next to the guy. He looks very much like a water genasi, but not quite. They've got strange, almost gill-like ears to them. He, he definitely looks weird. Blue skin, kind of off, but not necessarily a genasi. What's wrong with blue skin? I'll take a peek at him. I know, Mr. Blue Dragon. I'll take a peek at him. Okay, so in the ethereal... Alright, you would be able to tell that he also has a second form. Uh, he is also a giant snake. Basically a water serpent. They have very fluid bodies and are shapeshifters. It would definitely set you off just a bit. What are you? You would also know that the leader is a werebore. So, a what? A werebore. <laughs> you can turn half pig. Oh, <gasps> He's Ganon! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Virgil, you rolled an intelligence check, or uh, what did you roll on your check again? Nine. That's right. Okay, you probably wouldn't know who would be in charge. Um, okay, so you guys said earlier you were going to walk up? Yep, I think we're going to walk up and introduce ourselves to the 
Okay. He would shoo away the Fafnir that is talking to him out of annoyance. And uh, the two Reavers would probably hang close, but uh, not be so close as to to piss him off because he doesn't seem the type that really enjoys being hovered over. He would ask as you came up, Who are you and what are you doing here? More recruits? Uh, yes. Yes, sir. My name is Varian Oakbottom, mm-hmm. and uh, I am a humble servant of Melil, the Lord of mm-hmm. Song. Uh, we have been come here to... All right, all right, all right, enough. Somebody else is going to talk because you speak way too much. I don't have time. Why does everyone... Are, are you that? here for recruits? Yes. Go to the barracks. There's bunks there. There's two bunks there. But you look like you're going to sit outside under sun or something. I don't care. And you're little enough. I'm pretty sure you could sleep in somebody's foot like a cat. Get out of here. I'm busy. And he would shoo you off. I guess everyone make fun of me. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and ask about their 2D swords. How did you make that? Where do you get these weapons? I've never seen anything like them. They would pretty much just put off. They, they wouldn't talk to you a whole lot because you're recruits and you aren't worth speaking to yet until you have been kind of brought into the cult, sworn in for lack of a better term. I will learn your secrets. Okay, so you guys are basically at this point pretty much free to do whatever. Is there a dining hall here at this keep? You're in it. See, this is where you'll perform for the night. I was gonna say, is can I perform and try and learn some information and get you know, work my way into the cult per se? Who would you be asking? The leader? Yes. Oh, oh Hydra! What part of getting here? Don't you understand? <laughs> Please, may I just perform for? The Colton for Ol Hydra, and I pull out my violin that has these five silver leaves on the sides of it because of Melil's uh, holy symbol. Can I just play something for you guys? Not me. I've got other things to do. Put me off my appetite anyway. So he just kind of throws down his food, what's left, and stomps out of there. Well, there are several other people the in the Great Hall as well, though. So if you wanted to play for them, you are welcome to. Uh... I just want to try and get some information, so perform, uh, basically using my bipopular demand entertainer feature. I don't think you're very popular here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll help me be popular. I know it's mainly for inns and taverns and places, basically anywhere I can find a place to perform is kind of what I'm hoping to do and try and get myself the word spread around me throughout the cult of, oh, hey, he's a really, you know, maybe I can get in with him. Oh, that's that bard, hey, let's talk to him. Kind of He's a swell guy. Okay, yeah. Go ahead and He's roll me a performance guy. check. Okay, I need to... <laughs> what happened? I rolled a nat one. Oh. You can re-roll it, though. I'm a halfling. I re-rolled it. I rolled another nat one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not just say when you took that race yesterday that it would be the best because what are the odds of rolling two nat ones? Is that what That's you said? That's the new guy you gave me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are... You... I am so pissed off right now. Mess up my performance. That is exactly what happens. You are so pissed off that that guy just left in the middle that you are frazzled beyond belief and you just cannot get the notes out and you eventually stop in a huff. How could this happen to me? (laughs) God. We'll go give him a reassuring pat on the shoulder. Is there like a secluded corner kind of where nobody is? Uh, not really in here. It's a fairly small area. Um, well, it's large compared to the other rooms. I think with everyone in one room, 
I think now is the time <laughs> to start a fight. Well, in this room, uh, it's mostly just servants and commoners. There is not a whole lot for crushing waves. There's those two reavers. I'll start the fighting. Uh, Whoever rolls initiative first gets to. Can I make my way towards the kitchen first. Yep. And uh, you say, peek in the door. Just peek in the door. There are two large carts on the north wall of this room that hold kettles full of simmering stew. Wash basins and work tables with old battered crockery stand in the middle of the room. Sacks, casks, and barrels are piled along the southern wall, and cheeses and smoked fish hang from the ceiling. Um, you would notice that there are five human commoners that labor here. All of them pretty much seem to be very kind of shying away from you because you were with the guards earlier. Uh, hello. Uh, may I please have a word with you for just a second? Nothing. You're not in trouble. I just, I just would need to have. I just want to tell you guys. I want to tell you a story. Oh. Okay, uh, what, what <laughs> kind of story? It's a beautiful story. Uh, Richard, we don't know when they're coming back. Okay, um, we're gonna liberate you guys, so if you see any other servants, tell them to find a safe place, uh, and stay out of sight. We are going to save everyone. I'll proceed okay. toward um, the reavers. Yeah, you see, uh, the two of them, including the, uh, young serving gal, kind of nod their heads, uh, and then three of them kind of look at each other and they start making for the door. Well, so how most people would like sheave a weapon over like the shoulder into a scabbard, I'll just pull the axe that's just mess-happenly shoved into my back, just yank that out. Okay. And then after I tell that I, I kind of grab my rapier, which is shoulder and kind of grab it. I don't pull it out, but I'm, I start walking back towards the door to see yeah. what's going on. Okay, then we'll go ahead and roll initiative. You will get a sneak round first. Yes, kind sir. I am going to, as we get going, cast Bless. Okay, so you cast Bless on everybody beforehand? Yep. Well, almost everybody. Three targets, correct? It's three plus one for every spell level, so I get all of us. Hot diggity. Okay. That's Go ahead awesome. and roll initiative, everybody, and we will start. You will get a sneak round. 21. 16. 8. 10. Okay. Go ahead with your surprise round. There are two Reavers uh, standing kind of north of the table just a little bit. Do I have advantage for the attack then? Oh, yeah. yeah. They have no idea Wonderful. what's coming. All right. Let's see. Uh, oh, that's a 20. All right. Uh, I got a natural 20. Oh, hot dog. Starting this one off right. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> 17 points of damage to the first person with the Great Axe. Uh, yeah, they definitely feel that hit. They begin to uh, pull out their weapons as well. Rightfully so. Next would be, uh, you see as you come out of the kitchens that those three servants that ducked out are making a mad dash for the door. They're making a mad dash for the door? Yes. The other two are huddled in the kitchen. You see that they were getting out kitchen knives and just kind of waiting back there, kind of shaking. Not very good servants if they can't follow instructions. Well, the battle going on, if they're running them, I guess that they're going to go tell people or go hide somewhere or whatever. I'm not too worried. You want to make an insight check? Yeah, sure. Seven. A seven? Yeah, you're pretty sure they're going to go uh, warn other people. Okay, I'm going to come out the door <laughs> and I see the fighting happening. Uh, how far am I away from? You wouldn't be too far. Um, it looks like about 20 feet or so. 20 feet? Okay. Uh, I'll pull out a dagger that I have on my bandolier, and I'm going to throw it at this reaver. That is a 15. 
Ouch, okay, yeah, that will hit. Four points of damage. You chuck it at them, and it hits them just below the collarbone, right above their armor, and they clutch at it as they fall to the ground and die. Hey. <laughs> and that was when you hit the you hit the one that I hit before. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. So there's one fresh guy left. Yes, there is one left. He is going to pull out his shark-toothed longsword. Cool. And whip around and bring it right across your torso. Okay. Yeah. He he slams it into you, and it kind of rattles a little bit in his hands. <laughs> Uh, not used to hitting a tree trunk with a saber-toothed sword. Axes are much better at that no, kind of thing. No, and I've never met a man who can chop down a tree with one swing. Exactly. So well, and you took him by surprise, so he was not exactly ready to go for that. Epic, though. Right? If he can chop me down, kudos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the okay. three, The three servants make it to the double doors, and they scream out at the top of their lungs, They're trying to take over! And they appear to... to run towards the chapel next door. <laughs> you didn't tell them to, to tell others quietly, did you? I assume they were had they were smart. No, no, nope. we got to nope. do this whole entire liberation in rapid quickness. You you do re, uh, you are able to notice that as they're screaming this, they're waiting for the other cultists and the bandits to come this way. Oh no, they're just jerks. Yeah, they're a holes. Yes, uh, the other can we two just kill those buttholes. Yeah, the other two in the kitchen just kind of look through the side door to see how you're doing, and then they duck back in. So, so, so they want they want nothing to do with Those them. in the kitchen free. are fine. Everyone else is a-holes. To uh, you, Ashmaz. Well, I suppose I'm going to go do my best to take care of the one that's that's feebly trying to chop down my friend. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I think for now we're just going to make a uh, straight swing with my mace. Ah, yay! That is a nat 20, that is, is it a not? nat 20. Okay. Oh my goodness. I'm going to use my reaction to cause crash. So I'm going to use a bardic inspiration. Ooh, it must, that creature must make a strength save, Robert. Uh, it rolled a nat 1. Okay, it fails. It also takes two additional points of thunder damage. Ouch. And the creature is knocked prone. Yeah, it's, it's right on its butt. Oh. 14 points of damage plus whatever he did with his crash. And what kind of weapon are you using? A mace. A mace. You bring the mace down right on the back of this creature, and as it hits, you hear a thunder crack of noise from the bard's spell, and the creature just falls face forward and slams into the ground with an extreme amount of force, and it is, as you can well imagine, not doing well either. Worth it. Well, <laughs> with the extra noise, subtlety is definitely out. Yeah, there. Yeah, there is. It was loud enough and enough force with that crack that you see some of the food kind of vibrate off the table. <laughs> well done. Exactly. On to ah. Kelly. There's lots of pain and suffering here for you to enjoy. Sweet. Is he dead though? Not yet, no. Uh, but he is on the ground, face first in the dirt, or in the uh, stone floor. He's not loving life. Well, I mean, I'll help him. Uh, chill touch. Uh, 19? Yes, that will hit. <laughs> oh, good. Any passive effects that'll help us along? Five. 
you can see that the wounds that he received starts to putrefy a little bit. Makor. All right, well, yeah, that'll be in 23 to hit for yes. 12 points of damage. You cleave him in half uh, with that axe blow. There is nobody else in the room. I'll move towards the door with the rest of my turn just to anticipate the, uh, the enemies. Okay, yes, uh, you move towards the door. Uh, you do hear upstairs, uh, above your heads, there is some clamoring, as well as a weird kind of high-pitched, almost hissing noise coming from upstairs as well. Alrighty. I'm going to move up to uh, uh, Melkor? Makor. I'm going to go up to Makor, and I'm going to use my uh, naturally stealthy to try and hide behind you or use you for stealth. Absolutely fine. I'm a tree. And then I'm going to prepare uh, I'm going to prepare a spell for if I see a group of people come down to cast a spell to try and take them when they show up. Okay, which staircase are you going to aim that spell at? The north or the south? They are about 40 feet apart. Uh, can I make a perception to see where I think most of the sound's coming from? Yeah. Uh, that's a 10. It seems to be coming from above the kitchen area. So the north? Yes, it would be closer to the north. Okay, I'm going to prepare my spell towards the north. Okay. For any enemy that might come down, then I'll release my spell. Alright, not a problem. With that, it is their turn, and you hear a shrieking... I don't want to call it a grunting noise, but you hear what you're pretty sure is Grimjaw, and he comes barreling in, and you were you holding the door shut? I actually would have been ready for the door to open, just, ha! Okay, yeah, he would have just rammed shoulder first into those doors. So, go ahead and make a strength contest. Okay. In which case, would uh, that just be like the strength? Uh, Correct, okay. yes. Uh, you can use athletics if you have it. I do. So, my strength. Uh, that would have been a 23. Okay. Uh, yeah, you are able to not only withstand that, but he just kind of thumps off of <laughs> Down, piggy! And the Fafnir comes down the stairs on the south side. Or, excuse me, on the north side. Is it just one creature? Yes, he is just one creature. However, six Crushing Wave Reavers um, come down split three and three on either side. Okay, as they come down, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, cast Shatter. Con save, two fourteens and a seventeen. Okay, they still take uh, half damage. Okay, nine. We are then on to Ashma. I'm going to nonchalantly walk up to our massive pig friend. Okay. And uh, I'm gonna cast Inflict Wounds. Eighteen. That will hit. To 28 points of damage. <laughs> Holy cow. Advise you to think about what you're doing. Yeah. On then to Reyna. Okay. I'll cast Witch Bolt at the pig guy. Alright. No, that's six. Yes. No, uh, eight. Right as you uh, shot towards him, he is hit by that inflict wounds and drops slightly, and so that bolt of eldritch energy just crackles right over him and into the door behind him. Well, with the pig man being handled, I guess I'll head towards the other cultists, or is the main pig man in the way? I know he's right uh, next No, to me. the pig man is between you and the door. I will 
begin to attack recklessly with my bonus action and main action. 20 to hit. Yes. I'm going to use my crash again to some strength save. Uh, that is one thing the boar has in spades. That is a 20. Darn it! Okay. Oh. Uh... But still, I like the idea of the sound effect being there nonetheless. Yes. So your your great axe collides with his torso, and there's a crack of thunder as you drive it into him. How much damage does he take? Eight. He takes eight points of damage. That is enough to cut through his disgusting hide, and he starts bleeding profusely. Right. Well, I guess then cultists were coming through the... Both staircases him. to the north and the south from behind, correct. I guess with my move, I'll put myself in the most advantageous position. Uh, I'll take one of the staircases. Okay, you're moving away from him. Is he down, down, or is he... No, he's still standing. I can uh, finish. I can probably... I'm right there. Right, okay. You would take now. an opportunity attack if you did move. I'll take it. Okay. Um, My AC right now is an 18, since I'm using the Great Axe, the two-handed weapon. All right. Yep, and that is exactly what he rolled. Oh, wow! So you will end up taking... That is 10 points Ten. of bludgeoning damage. So then have that, so I've only taken 5. Okay. I will proceed towards, I guess, southernmost staircase. Uh, yeah, you're able to get, uh, that's about 30 feet, so you can, if you use your full movement, up, get there. Up, 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 up. All right. How fair you, Master Woodman? <laughs> I've lost a bit of bark, but that's fine. All righty. I'm gonna look at this wereboar. I'm gonna be like, whisper, 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 and cast dissonant whispers. <laughs> Dude, what's the save on that? Wisdom. So yes, he fails. All right, he takes ten points of psychic damage and must use its reaction immediately to move as far away as possible from me. <laughs> Okay, yeah, he turns and flees back out the door. Uh, you are within five feet, so you get an opportunity to attack Ashmar. Ha-ha! <laughs> 17 to hit? Yes, that will hit. Four points of damage. All right, and he is more than limping at this point, but he is not yet down. Uh, and then I'm going to use my bonus action to inspire uh, McCord. Okay. Uh, then it is the enemy's turn. He would turn around, and now that he's got room to charge, he turns around and charges straight at you, Ashmod. I will need a strength saving throw if this hits, and I'm assuming a 19 will hit you. Just barely. Just barely. Okay, I need a strength save of 13 or higher. That'll do. You just take the regular 7 points of slashing damage, and you will also take... Because he can do a tusk attack with that as well. Three points of flashing. So, total that up. 17. All right. It is the cultists uh, will charge down the stairs. Three of them will go after the big tree guy. Okay, that's one miss, two miss. Ouch, one hit. Uh, So they would all three slash at you. And one hit and does a whopping three points of slashing damage. So, with resistance, that's a one? Exactly. I have taken six points of damage. All right. 
Uh, Virgil, I believe you are the next closest one to all those on the north staircase, correct? Nah. 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 Yeah, probably. Okay. All three of them are going to come after you, and they would position themselves Whoa. In, Whoa. in flanking as well. Uh, called for. That is uh, 13. Miss. A nat 20. Miss. <laughs> <laughs> and a 17. I guess. Okay. They are wielding their weapons one-handed. So you take seven points from the one and five points from the other. And then the Fathmer is going to come after you, since you saw through it, Reyna. So he is going to cast... Heck, you have disadvantage on con saves. Okay. Ashmiles. I don't like the look of this guy's ruddy face. We'll put my mace into it. Okay. Or I'm not. It's a 12. Actually, that will hit. Oh. For eight points of damage. All right, yes. Uh, he is still up, but not by a whole lot. <laughs> Reyna. Okay, well, I'm going to hex him right back. Ouch. <laughs> and what save are you going to take from him? Yeah, probably a con save. Okay, constitution. I will write that. All right. Uh, anything else? Which bolt? Oh, eight again. Yep, no, unfortunately that will not hit. Macor. Alright, well, with Bardic Inspiration, Bless, and some Rage, drawing two hand axes from my hips, I will smack with one, so it'll be an 18 to hit one of the roops, 19 to hit one of the roops. Yes. It'll be 11, 12 brings 14. Hand axe? Hand axe is a D6. Oh, D6, yep, you're right, thank you. I almost screwed that up. That was almost very savage. <laughs> Nine, six, seven. Nine, two Nine into one, Rube. Okay, yes. He is still standing. I guess I'll hit that one again with the other axe. Okay. Sixteen to hit that, Rube. Yes. For six points of damage. Okay, on then to uh, Varian. I'm going to look at the guys in front of me, and I'm going to go, Lay down your head. And I'll sing you a lullaby and put him to sleep. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and roll for the sleep. Oh is my goodness. Thank you for that word. Well, that's yes, the, as a bard, okay. it's probably a lyric. Probably. Okay. 33. Two of them hit the ground with a thump. And the third one is a little bit dazed, but is able to shake himself out. And, alrighty. And then, as a bonus action, I'll cast Healing Word on Ashma's three plus four, seven points of health back. Good. Mr. Pigman, uh, Grimjaw, is going to just continue uh, walloping on the cleric. Oh my gosh, I rolled a two and a three. Neither of those are going to get through your armor. And then we will go on to the Fathmer. He is going to uh, swing his weapon at you, Reyna. Assuming a 16 hits. Yeah. Alright, and as he does that, he is also casting Vampiric Touch. He does not like you. No, he does not. Is it because I saw he was a snake? Yeah, pretty much. Well, don't feel too bad. I rolled two ones on the damage. Woo! Um, so, Yay. seven points of Yay. necrotic from Vampiric Touch. Ashbound. Oh, no, excuse me. We have all the cultists. 
Uh, all the cultists, which you thought I forgot about. Um, three of them are going to attack you, big boy. And my, I got one hit for sure. The other two were less than 11. Alrighty. Nine points of slashing damage. Uh, Virgil, the one that is asleep is going to attack you, or the one that is awake is going to attempt to attack you, but he rolled an eight. Good. Well, eight total, so he does not hit. Alright, on then to Ashmaz. Ashmaz. Oh mighty god, patron of my craft, I ask that you bless this mace of mine with the fires of your forge. Bonus action, I'm casting Searing Smite. Good, that will put me over to hit. Awesome. So I do six, seven, eight points of regular damage, plus another four points of fire damage. He falls in a smoky heap that smells oddly of bacon and ham, <laughs> and he is down. Oh, At, <laughs> yeah. If he hadn't been down, he also would have been set on fire. Well, yeah. But he, he's smoldering. He's he's getting roasted. You want that pork yep. well done. This is where we'll go ahead and end this first section because this is a decent stopping point. I don't want you guys to have to tear apart this entire complex, destroying every single enemy as much as you may want to. So we will go ahead and end the podcast here. Uh, We will pick up next week where you will all be level eights and we will do a quick review going over what all went on. Thank you once again for joining us for the first episode of Homebrew Review. If you would like to know more, please look us up on Facebook at adventuring.guild, on Twitter at guildadventure, or you can find us on Patreon, where you can go to support us to help make this podcast even better. Just search for The Adventuring Guild. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, as we can be put in front of more people to help bring you even more content. Thank you again, and we hope to see you next week.